Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Oh, well, this is so fun. I'm going to tell a little story about this, this week's podcast guest, because today I have Terry Swan on, and I'll let her introduce herself in a moment. Um, but we connected on Instagram through someone else. Um, I don't remember what, which episode Sabrina was, Sabrina Fletcher. Um, but she said you two should connect, and I was like, great, let's connect. <laughs> so we just hopped on a Zoom to sort of touch base and say, hey, we're both doing some really important work in the world. And, you know, I propose that we just record a podcast. So here we are. We're, we're recording a podcast for, for the audience, um, just sharing this work that we do. So I'm going to learn really what Terry does as much as you all are in this conversation and give her room and space to ask me questions. So we'll just see where this goes, but why don't you introduce yourself, um, what you do, what might be useful or helpful to my audience, uh, and we'll see what comes next. Love it. This is so fun. I love the spontaneity of it. Um, so yeah, this is great. I'm Terry, and what do I do? I am a grief recovery specialist who, I mean, I work with all grievers, but my, my wheelhouse and my real passion is working with women who have voluntarily terminated a pregnancy or had an abortion, whichever term people like to use. And I came to the work in an interesting way, I've terminated three pregnancies mm-hmm. and, you know, not an easy decision. Um, my, my first uh, termination, I had a traumatic abortion and then I got pregnant the next two times on birth control. Mm. And I think, you know, knowing what I know now, because there was so much trauma with the first mm-hmm. that hadn't been cleaned up, um, that this sort of started me down a road of longing and all of, um, there was just so much wrapped into that initial, um, you know, procedure. Um, I had no idea what to expect. Mm. I was young and knew that I didn't really have very many options, but um, I left that I, I was, I had the procedure done in a Catholic hospital, which was probably you know, maybe, maybe my first mistake, I don't know, but um, in any event, um, it was traumatic and I ended up with PTSD and, you know, was really suffering in silence for really quite some time. Didn't even know what was going on with me because there was no resources yeah. and there was so much stigma. And so it wasn't like I was talking about it, but I was, went back to work beside my boss's pregnant wife. So, you know, uh, you know, fast forward many, many years later, and, you know, life was sort of unraveling. I, I mean, I, I was managing it, but not well. Mm-hmm. I'm honest, I wasn't managing yeah. it well. And so um, I knew that I, I had to sort of dig in. Um, my marriage was falling apart. And I thought, I can't really say this anymore, but I could 
probably unpack my own stuff. And so what does that look like? And I came to grief recovery in sort of a, an interesting way. I, my brother was diagnosed with cancer and he passed away five weeks later. So our family didn't really even have time to sort of register the information and he was already gone. Wow. And so I was looking for a grief group for my parents and I, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. I stumbled across grief recovery and I was like, oh gosh, grief recovery in the same sentence. Like, what does that mean? And I did a, you know, I went and did some research thinking that, you know, this is where I'm going to send my parents. And it turns out they never even, you know, they never, they had nothing to do with grief recovery, but I was, um, I thought this is my missing piece. Yeah. This is, this is, this is me unpacking what I needed to unpack for many years. And so it really, um, it really moved the needle for me and helped me put a lot of things into perspective around loss and grieving. And so I took my training. Um, I had been working with color and light um, in the alternative healthcare field. And I was doing some work with women um, on their womb with color and light to help relief and uh, re release any energy blocks in the womb. But I felt like there was still this missing piece. And I, I was like, oh, you know, I can't really put my finger on it. And then it just kind of just dropped in. <laughs> And there it was. And so I, I became a grief recovery specialist. And then I knew that I always wanted to Wait, have- Can I just clarify for a sec? So you were sure. already working with color and light before you found the grief recovery. It was. And that sort of helped you go like, oh, this is what I want to do with this color and light work. Like, this is what I want to- Well, the color and light system I had been working with for quite some time um, and, you know, but then what I said, yes, there was further clarification exactly that yeah. came. It's like, how can I channel it in a way that's even, you know, greater yeah. while keeping the system intact? I mean, I'm, it's still a system. Yeah. But, you know, most of my clients were women anyways. Mm -hmm. In all the years, I probably had two men. Right. Because it's the, it's, you know, statistically, when we look at like alternative healthcare, or even healthcare for a family, it's women that are taking care of those things. So I always had women coming to me, they were more open and, and um, to those ideas of, yeah. Yeah. of managing energy and that sort of thing. So then I, I married sort of the two, okay. you know, they're two separate entities. Yeah. In the sense that the color and light is the color and light and womb cocoon does the grief recovery, but I do pull in the tools from the color and light system into womb cocoon, mm. the grief work, because it's so actually was just speaking about this this morning on a, on a separate call about, you know, I gave a good example of how when we're grieving, typically traditional cultures will use black as, as a way to sort of um, dial it back, you know, like, I don't want to be seen I'm going to be over here in black and just mm -hmm. the way to not be seen. That's why they, you know, yep. they, it would have the same effect if you're wearing, let's say yellow and grieving. However, the reason I make this point is that the color violet is a great color to use during transition. Yes. So transition from one life to another or transition mm -hmm. from, you know, being pregnant to not being pregnant or, you know, the death of, of a family member or a marriage or, a, you know, a state of health that goes from positive to negative. Those are all transitions and we can use color to support 
that transition and violet is terrific for transitions. So there, you know, there's different ways that it's applicable. Yeah. In the grief work. Holy moly. So that's story. I love that we got on this call and I was like, what you use color and light to like heal. It's like, I'm pretty well-versed in alternative solutions and creative healing and like, yeah, I'm pretty, I've heard a lot of things, but I had not heard that. <laughs> I'm so excited to have found it. It's great. I'm so great. I'm so grateful that you have, because there's still many people that don't know about Orosoma and the system's been around for 40 years. Huh. Not new. We yeah. call it, you know, old wine and new bottles. That's all it is really. Old wine and new bottles. It's so cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm still in a little bit of awe. Um, can you share like what, so at, at this point when you found, so you found the color and light system, then you found the grief recovery work because of your, mostly because of your brother recognizing at the same time, there's this marriage thing happening. Like I'm just trying to put all the pieces together. Right. And you're like, well, I can't save that, but I can unpack my own stuff, which included the three abortions or just the one at that point. No, I, I knew I had to unpack it all. Yeah. Because I couldn't talk about it. Yeah. And I was really angry at a lot of things that were happening in my life. And I was like, there's a, there's a root cause, mm. you know, of this anger. And um, yeah, so it was, it was all three, but, you know, really it was, it, it was the first one because it was so traumatic that, you know, if you, you know, I've done quite a bit of reading and educating myself since and, you know, come to learn that we will try to recreate to heal. Now I don't, and my intention certainly was never to get pregnant a second or a third time. Like I said, I was using birth control, that failed birth control that mm -hmm. uh, in both of those incidences. But I do realize that I think it was an attempt for my body to want to just heal, yeah. you know, that trauma that was um, really sitting below. It was getting, it was getting repressed because yeah. there was nobody to discuss these things with. Yeah. Um, so this is so common that we, that we see anger not recognizing that the root cause of it is grief mm. what does that look like when you have these big feelings in your life and you are ready to unpack and get to the root like how do you even start getting to the root of your grief of your well there grief? was i mean it's such a great question and it's so layered as you know you're doing I know. it's so layered it's not one thing however i will say that the grief recovery was really the thing that started to, to move the needle for me. And I'll explain why. Sometimes when I say grief recovery, I didn't know what even grief recovery was back when. And I think the, th the thing that really attracted me to grief recovery was the, our founder, John James, actually, um, sadly, he just passed away uh, within the, I think, uh, the last two weeks, he's, he's passed away. Um, but John developed grief recovery over 40 years ago after he lost his infant son. Mm. And he found that the, everybody was trying to intellectualize his grief. They would say things to him like, don't worry, you can have another child. 
he was thinking, I don't want another child. I want the child I just had. So the thing for grief recovery was that I realized that in it and going through it myself, it was a way for me, grief recovery is a way to learn to how to process loss and grief. And where are we taught that, Amanda? Nowhere. Nowhere. I remember after my abortion, maybe like three months later, not really sure at this point now, um, just identifying that like so much of what I was feeling was collective. It like, wasn't really mine. It was like everybody's like for many, many generations. Mm -hmm. And then having that aha moment that was like, this is just grief that we don't know what to do with. Like Mm -hmm. just layers and layers and layers of not knowing how to grieve. And like, I felt it all so intensely because I was just like tapping into that collective. And yeah, it was just like, who teaches us to grieve? You like go to funeral and then you go back to work or whatever, like, right? Like, especially in our, you know, more modern, modern, yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's like, we just don't know how to do it don't know how to do it. There's no, you know, indigenous cultures are really good at having like rites of passage and, you know, different rituals around. Time, slowing down. Right. Yeah. So all of those beautiful things. And, you know, there are some modern Western cultures that I think do it better than, let's say, you know, my culture, our culture. Um, However, I, you know, the, the idea that I could actually learn a process yeah, and then teach that process. Mm. So that's what grief recovery is. I take people through seven weeks online and each week builds on the next and it's an awareness-based framework. It's action-based. I think support groups and counseling are amazing. They are mm-hmm. for the purpose of, if you know what the intention is going in. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need to get support and go and talk about what has happened and the person that you've lost and you need to have other people that have had that experience, that is an amazing place for you to be. If you want to move through it and learn the tool, and that's the thing about grief recovery. Once you have that tool, you know how to process loss. Yeah. You can use it again and again and again, because you and I both know this is not going to be the only loss. No. There's over 40 different types of loss. Right. We're in COVID right now. We've lost so much. Yeah. yeah. Our freedoms, the, you know, even the ability to see each other's faces and read each other's expression, we've lost that. Mm-hmm. So the things that we used to take for granted, even just during COVID, this is this is loss. Yeah. And we're grieving the way that things used to be let's say so if we had a process to take us through how to do that and you know to think of what would happen if children were taught that process Mm. really change things because you know now when god god forbid we have a divorce or we lose a job or we our health changes we have a framework now to know how to process loss yeah. And where to go from there. And so that was the missing piece for me 
I just, it was like the light bulb went on and I went, oh my gosh, this is just like you, this has been grief, but I didn't, what we know about grief is that grief is cumulative Mm -hmm. and it's cumulatively bad. Tell me more about that. Well, so the example that I love to give is like, let's say we, we just use a, a scenario, like a, a fictitious scenario of like, you know, when Sally was, you know, four years old, her, her puppy died. Mm-hmm. So, and then when she was six, her best friend Jennifer moved to another state. And then when she was nine, her parents divorced. And that same year, her grandmother died. And then when, you know, when she was 11, her brother moved away, who she was very close with, moved away to go to college. Yeah. yeah. And then when she was 20, she uh, terminated a pregnancy. Right. And then she lost her first job at 24. Yeah. And, and, you know, she got married and got divorced at, you know, 28. So there's a pattern. Yeah. I think the reason I questioned you, so I'm I'm still curious, is unprocessed grief is cumulative, (laughs) right? Because you said, and cumulatively bad. And I have a belief that grief is not bad. It just, it's part of the human experience. But but you, but what you mean is unprocessed grief is cumulatively bad. Otherwise you're just a human having a human experience and it's, a guarantee you're going to experience grief oh, in human body. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, to clarify, absolutely. And thank you for that. When we don't process it, it's, you know, John James used to always say, we are meant to be a processing plant, not a holding tank. Ooh, we are meant to be a processing what? Plant? A processing plant, not a holding tank. Oh, that's so good. I love I know. that. Yeah. yeah. He had a lot of good ones. <laughs> he really did. Um, and that way, he used to also say we are taught how to acquire we are taught how to acquire things, but not what to do when we lose them, Ugh, or how to let them go. How to or, let them go. Or taught how to acquire things, but not how to let them go. So when we Ooh. learn, so you're absolutely right. Loss and grief and all of that is part of our human experience here. Yeah. But when we don't learn how to process, then it becomes cumulative. Because Sally, we're going back to fictitious Sally. Yeah. 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 She lost her puppy when she was four, remember? And then her friend at six. And so there's all of this grief in the tank that hasn't been processed. And so then, you know, everybody knows somebody and it might even, for me, the person that I knew was myself where there was the tipping point. Yeah, yeah. So when I went back and actually did my work, I had had 23 losses in a six year period. And I was like, wow, that's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to unpack. But I now know the process. Yeah, yeah. And then do you process each of those losses separately or do the work as the whole of who you are? Well, the, the process of grief recovery is that we actually take a look at, we do something called a loss history graph so that we can graph out all of the losses. Mm. And just even that piece is such an awareness for people because they, I had never written down on my losses. Yeah. Yeah. When you go back and you see it, you're like, Oh my gosh. Right. And you can also even 
when I was studying, uh, I'm a holistic nutritionist, but you know, I was I trained to do that 20 years ago, but I, you know, remember taking, um, a course called symptomology where we would actually graph somebody's emotional life mm-hmm. in tandem with their, their symptoms of their health. Of course. And so when you're doing something like a loss history graph, you can very clearly see totally when I looked at, you know, uh, the, the termination of my pregnancies and then the prevailing health afterward, afterward. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, well, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you could easily graph it, mm-hmm. but you know, we're in this world where it's like sound bites and quick and we're moving so quickly and nobody stops to process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find even with abortion, like a, a fair percentage of my clients have this story. I had one and it wasn't a big deal. I moved on, right? I just went back to my life. I didn't really think much about it. And then I had another or another. And that's when I started just like, that's when it started compounding and hitting me. And I kind of always thought, I don't know, I had like a lot of ideas and thoughts about that. But so much of it is what you're talking about this if if you un, if you have one unprocessed emotion or one unprocessed experience termination abortion and you move into the second one you're just adding 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 and there and I think a- too sometimes people really do have curious what you think a first abortion that is now is this different in your case because your case your first was specifically traumatic But I think in some cases, what I see more often is like, no, their first one literally was not, didn't involve the level of grief. And it's okay that the second one does. It's just a different set of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And in your case, it was more like the first definitely had grief, unprocessed grief. It had trauma. And trauma, yeah. Yeah. And so there was no place to really allocate that. Yeah. I couldn't. And then... I did read a really interesting statistic and it was years ago, was that women who psychologically go into an abortion with challenges. Now, I don't know what they, what they deem challenges, but I was, you know, prior to my first termination, I'd had a bunch of loss too. I had lost some family members and a friend had, you know, had committed suicide uh, in the year, the year before. And so I would say that I was already dealing with unprocessed loss going into the termination of my pregnancy. And the statistic um, was that women who go into a a voluntary termination of a pregnancy and abortion with already loss and psychologically kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, harbored down with with something that's heavy are likely to have another abortion within a year. Really? And I found that fascinating because it was like, is it, is it the accumulation of having the loss then adds another piece of the loss, which then is still on process, which then goes, puts us into a cycle. Like I, I'm still to this day trying to mm. figure that piece out because I, I, I was so interested mm. by that statistic. It was high. Yeah. Well, it comes back to sort of that recreate to heal piece right. that you said. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I think in all of life, we just get like lots of opportunities to do the work, right? You know, air quotes about work people can't see, but right. Like we're just handed so many different opportunities to do the work and abortion is one of them. And sometimes multiple abortions are, are the, the opportunity. Um, but yeah, that is really, I've never heard that statistic. Super fascinating. I thought it was fascinating too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I'm really with you that, you know, and in the work that I'm doing at Wimco I think we're aligned that way is that I, I really want to change the narrative about it, that like, this could actually be the thing that's breaking you open. This is what I say all the time. I'm like, this is like, it's, it's a weird dynamic. Cause I'm like, this is such an exciting time, <laughs> right? People come to me and they're, yeah, they're raw and they're broken open and they're feeling so defeated and devastated. And I'm over here like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I do think it is, it is a uniquely like, and, and probably the womb piece of it, right? It's like the womb is like your creation center and you're like, so much of who you are and so an experience like an abortion is so much an opportunity mm -hmm. and it just for those of us who experience it that way it breaks us open in such a raw vulnerable way that we can see everything right. everything like nothing gets unseen when you're moving through an abortion in the way that most of the listeners I have are moving through it, which is like, A, either I just thought this was healthcare. Why do I have all these feelings? Right. Right. That's like the big one is like, okay, I thought we were just supposed to be like empowered feminists taking care of our bodies and our reproductive health. And now I'm sad and I have guilt and I have shame. And like, where'd all that come from? And all of it is, it really is like, not to be cheesy, but like fertile ground for right. life's work and, and what you can create in the world. It's interesting to think about why, like for, for example, you or I would have chosen that, I believe in soul contracts, right? Like we come Me in, <laughs> yeah, we come into, we have a, a contract and I've often thought, gosh, what was I thinking when I picked this? Cause it's really, it was hard stuff. Right? <laughs> really, really hard stuff. But on the other side of hard was, I mean, I did feel broken. And I did feel like I, I was really literally brought to my knees, Yeah. but that was the fertile ground. I wouldn't be doing the work that I do. Yeah, no, me either. I wouldn't that, be speaking in the way that is so aligned for, for who I am in the world. I also think my, I, I label my abortion baby as a baby. I was like, I was I don't, I don't even know at this point, like six or seven weeks pregnant was not a baby. Like, but to me it was, it's like, and that was her contract too. Right. Like, she, that was her contract too. She knew she was going to be aborted and that we would be on this journey together yes. for the rest of our lives. So like, it works both ways for me. It's like that contract is, is all around. Like, and I love that you brought that up because I think that that, you know, I try to sort of illuminate and I, I said the work that I do, but it, does, it never feels like work. I don't know if that's what it's <laughs> I know, it right? feel like work when you're helping women to come to an understanding around, and it's really, it's not me trying to 
lead them in any way. It's just, they're going to come to their own understanding through this process. But I just, yeah, I just feel like exactly that. We, we have these contracts and if we could start to illuminate it from that place yeah. of like choosing from the, the level of consciousness of like what, what needs to, what needs to evolve in you. Right. Uh, my program is called birthing a new you, because I think that we don't birth babies. Those of us who choose termination don't birth babies, but we birth this new version of ourselves. Right. Hopefully in my case, hopefully it's like a, a deeper, more aware, more purposeful, more right. intentional, more present version of ourselves. If we step into that opportunity and if you don't, no big deal. Like you're just going to get some other thing that's going to come around. Right. <laughs> I'm actually Googling the definition of work because I think it's interesting that you said, you know, I use the word work, but it's not work. And I, I just wanted to Google. It says activity in which one exerts strength. What I was wondering is like, in our Western world, have we been socialized to believe that work is hard and not good and like a, a drain and a burden because that's what capitalism has created basically like sure. right like this definition of work but maybe work is not a bad thing although this definition does say activity in which one exerts strength I mean we definitely do that that's what we're doing 100% yeah and that's but not is, yeah I, I feel like what I do is a gift yeah. So I'm yeah. trying to take it out of the, the Western word because most people, you know, but I agree with you. It's not, yeah. it is work, but it's beautiful work. Oh, work. Yeah. Beautiful work. To be in this place and be able to, I, I really believe that there's some opportunities that, that we have right now on the planet. I don't know where you are with those thoughts. Like I remember when the Me Too movement was happening and, and I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is really interesting what's unfolding here like there's a, a divine feminine rising you can feel it yeah and it's yeah. so great that that was happening mm -hmm. but then it's like where where's the rest of that conversation so you put this your is literally today. today's podcast like the one that released today the day we were recording we were just talking about this amazing yeah <laughs> so synchronistic yeah. But what's after them? So me too. But then, then what? Like, where's the healing piece or the awareness piece of like what got broken open because once again of that contract. And so I felt like in, in the, the gift, cause I'm not going to say work the gift that I, that I yeah. do with women. It's like, so how can you look at your termination or your abortion as the piece that's broken you open and making you better. Yeah. Like Absolutely. you said, more present. I mean, that's not exact. It, it was the episode with Danielle Cohen. Um, it released today, episode 99. It's crazy. Um, and she was remembering the, you know, me hashtag. So it was similar, like the story that you're telling is the same thread, right? Which is like, it was a great hashtag specific to abortion, but what we weren't celebrating and acknowledging and talking about was that the exciting part was not that all these people have had abortions. It was that they're telling their story. Yeah. 
right? Like that we're having the conversation. That's, that's, that's the, the divine rising yes. is that we're having the conversation and we're moving it in a new direction. It's not like, it's, it's not a celebration of abortion itself. Although yeah. like, it's a great tool. Like, yes, I, and I could say I celebrate it, but it's not like I'm in the club. I had an abortion too. It's like, I'm here and I'm telling my story and that's what we celebrate. Right. It's like, that's what we turn into the rising. And that, I think there it's to me, it's hopeful because when we take the stigma out of it and we start to have those really important conversations, like, tell me what happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, uh, another thing that's really interesting is that I had done a lot of work around my own termination and, and moving through it and the work, you know, like it's not just yeah. one thing, it's many layers. Yeah. And uh, I think I can probably, I feel like I can openly speak here. Um, I went in uh, 2019 on a ayahuasca retreat. Uh-huh. And really like at the end of that four ceremonies, um, you know, was told, when you are purging your body, um, ask what's being purged. Mm. And what was being purged was the trauma of my abortion. Mm. And so I left it in the bathroom in Costa Rica and I, mm. I was really, really done with it. That was the final piece. But the reason why I tell this story is that I was riding uh, back to the airport on the shuttle and it was a very small retreat, that one. There was maybe 40, 45 women, uh, people, not just women, but people. And uh, there was uh, two sisters in the, in the shuttle with me and they'd asked me about, you know, why were you here? What were you doing? Kind of, what was your experience? And I told them about my, uh, you know, my post-abortion work. And the one sister nudged the other kind of to say like, I knew something was up. And she had shared to me that she had come to the retreat to quit smoking mm. because ayahuasca is really good for addictions and that sort of thing. But what had come out of that was this. I have chills right now. <laughs> My whole body, whatever you're about to say. <laughs> she went to quit smoking mm -hmm. and she healed both of her abortions. Yeah. And she asked me, did you hear, you know, did you hear me? I think the word she used was howling mm. on the second night of ceremony. And I said, you know, I was in so, so much of my own process. I didn't. Yeah. But the reason that, you know, she was asking, like, she was actually processing. Mm -hmm. Ayahuasca was helping her process. So wow. you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you get to the process. Yeah. As long as you are able to do the work to yeah and there's many and it's it, there was grief recovery for me ayahuasca and everything in between yeah yeah it's like how do we you know start to have those important conversations about really yeah well that comes back to the word cumulative to me too which is like the healing is cumulative too right <laughs> like you try all these different modalities, you use all these different modalities. It's easy to say, well, that didn't work, but this did. Well, no, like they all add to the cumulative healing, right? So then we are like, this one's the one that works. 
No. Well, that's just because of your process and your story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so I, one of the things I say the most on this podcast is just like, keep looking, keep trying, keep going. Don't, you know, if you've tried a few things and haven't found the peace and presence and freedom that you want, like try something else, try color therapy, try life coaching, try acupuncture, like whatever you want to try, just keep going. Sure, keep going. And so I really want to know, you know, about your story and how did you come to this work? Because I think it's so unique for each one of us. And I feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's like, there's like a calling. Well, I always say, so I had an IUD, I had three kids, um, three kids. I was 38, not planning to have more children, but my husband didn't want a vasectomy. And I was like, fine, I'll just get another IUD, (laughs) just mostly fine for me. But I always say like the IUD fell out. I didn't know. So to me, it's like the sign came down, which said like not open to pregnancy. I always imagine this sign. It's like not open to pregnancy. (laughs) And the sign fell down and she came in. She was like, okay, let's do this thing. I call it my immaculate IUD removal because I think she had a hand in it, right? And I, I do think, I knew as soon as I, realized I was pregnant and I wasn't supposed to be, (laughs) right? Like I knew, as soon as I knew that abortion was where I was headed, even though it was super duper hard for me to choose that, I knew it was right. I was like, this is something bigger. I don't know what it is, but I'm just gonna let it keep unfolding. I thought I was just supposed to write a book and then move on with my life. I wrote like 40,000 words of a book and it's just sitting there. It never really turned into anything. It just like has turned into this over time. A hundred percent, I feel like it happened so I could do this work. Right. Yeah. So what a blessing. Everything I've done, I'm one of those people who didn't like go to college and have a career and like study one thing for 20 years like I've done a lot of different things right including birth work including doula work including like Chinese medicine stuff including like um just things that kept adding up and then as soon as this came I was like oh (laughs) it's all making sense now yeah I had a very similar experience of um I was originally a doula after I, you know, so like little, little pieces and even pieces that had fallen in and information that I was given like 24 years ago. Yeah. Is now starting to make more sense. Yeah. You know, of like, oh, that's where that piece fit. Right. That's what that was supposed to be. And that's been your experience as well. Absolutely. And sometimes it's, sometimes I, when I don't go with the flow of it, like, what is wrong with you? You're like, so on, right? (laughs) Just stay with one thing or just do this or just do that. And then always there's that moment. It's like, yeah, it's just all falling together exactly as it's supposed to. Right. Exactly as it's supposed to. Even this conversation, right? Like we did not get on to record a podcast. Absolutely. It was a perfect conversation, which we should probably wrap up so it doesn't get too long. But more to come. Um, I'm just really all for like, no, this is not what I picked. For me, that was like my abortion story. Like I didn't like check it off the menu, but it's here. And so I'm going to go with it. 
Like I'm just going to move with it. And make the best of the situation that's been dealt. Yeah. Or the soul contract that I chose. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my thing is like, feel, like feel it all. Right. And then adapt and accept that it's your reality. How do you want to adapt now that this is your reality and then grow? Like that's the process. Feel, adapt, grow. Feel, adapt, grow. Just keep doing it. I love it. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Anything else you feel like you want to say about your work or something you feel called to share on this particular podcast before we wrap up? I just think for any women who are listening, you know, maybe we could bring some illumination to what's happening out there and the collective and open up the conversation. So yeah, if you're a woman out there that's terminated a pregnancy, you know, Amanda and I have We've been on that journey. And I think just to know that you're listening for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening. You found this podcast today for a reason. We connected today for a reason and turned this into a podcast just so you could hear this. Yeah. So if you're looking for a sign, this is it. Right. Exactly. This is the one. And that when you heal for all the women that are out there and that haven't healed, when you heal, you heal the collective and allow the yeah, so important to rise greater because we are all one in a collective pool of consciousness. And when you are hurting and repressing and not processing, you you are in that place in the collective. And once you get to the other side, then you can bring light to whatever it is you have to bring light to. Maybe that's baking cakes or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there is, there is purpose in, in your pain. So that's all. That's what I. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we're now connected and who knows what's next. I know. Let's just let it unfold. Let it unfold until next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing rating and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice 